passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See you later. Welcome, everybody, to MCU Later. My name is Wei Ting, and this is our weekly MCU review. This time, we are here to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode number five. And joining me, as always, is WH Park. How you doing, WH? Hey, Wei. Hey, Nate. I'm really good. I'm happy to see the both of you joining uh, me. I'm joining you guys, however we want to phrase it, and to talk about what I thought was an awesome episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Bit of a spoiler alert there, WH, because I have not introduced the man yet. He is back, everybody, by popular demand. He is Nate Milton, the podfather himself. How you doing, Nate? I just need people to understand. The only reason I was here last week was because you built me like that, WH Park. You made me this way. You wanted me to be on this podcast, and I did a good job. I was good at my job. And now you want to take away my pension and my no, benefits? No, 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 no. no, no. We, we, we didn't spoil I didn't spoil anything because I said last week, Nate Fields is going to be coming on the next two episodes. So everyone who listens to this podcast last week and has from the beginning knows Nate Milton was always going to be a part of the rest of this show. So, And I would never take away your pension, my friend. Nate Milton, <sighs> give us the microphone. Hand us the microphone. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a legal gray area way. I can't oh, yeah. really tell who has ownership over these microphones. Is it is it a bloody microphone because you you assaulted John Cena with it? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I, I, guys, I, I I was so busy winning championships this week that I I almost forgot about the night. But you know, being one half of the 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 inaugural BDE Tag Team Champions, myself and and young brother Eric, you know it's it's a lot of weight on my shoulders, way. I just hope I don't crack under the pressure like John Walker. Oh, this is the Winter Circle podcast, absolutely. Both <laughs> me and you, Nate, not the other guys, okay? Not the losers, Falcon and Winter Soldier review. This is where it's at. Uh, all we're missing is WH, of course, who will get his victory, I'm sure, in a year's time. I'm I'm a spiritual winner. You're a winner uh, in our hearts, yes. That's right. Uh, Listen, we can banter all day long, and that in itself I think will probably take take up two hours, but we have a lot of serious business to get to. We're here to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5. You two did a fantastic job recapping last week's episode, and boy, am I so glad that we we have the two of you to be joining us, because this is a very, very... Very important episode. I mean, um, Malcolm uh, Spellman has talked about, you know, really built this one up as like the the big kind of uh, emotional peak of the series. And quick thoughts going around here. What did you guys think of this particular episode? Uh, Let's start with Nate. I I loved it. I I think, you know, and we could talk about it a little bit later, like kind of the hype coming into this episode. 
I think it's because people, and, and I'll include myself in people, conflated two things Malcolm Spellman said. And so maybe the surprise didn't pay off for some people, but I love the, uh, I, I love what they were talking about this week. WH. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, like the, the centerpiece of this episode was the conversation between Sam and Isaiah. And I mean, this type, the episode title is called truth. And all I heard in that conversation from particularly from what Isaiah was telling Sam was to me truth like yeah that's that's how it is that's how it's been for for black people in this in, in america for years decades centuries and not just america i don't always want to pick on america it's also like true in canada and, and mm-hmm. the united kingdom tons of other places as well and i just felt so much um poignancy and relevancy in that in that uh, conversation especially in, in like the continuing you know news we keep getting every every year every season about you know police shootings of of young black men is is really disheartening but it's like this is the reality and this is the truth right so i thought the the episode title was so on point and and i just loved the whole the whole of the episode i love the 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 training montage (laughs) we just needed like some phil conti music there for that um i love the developing like kind of warming up of like sam and bucky as becoming more like friends but and i will tell you when we got the surprise cameo i popped particularly because i when i realized who the character was mm-hmm. uh, but when i see who was playing her i was like oh yeah that's awesome <laughs> Well, certainly, uh, just kind of, kind of maybe taking a more of a, a, a macro look at this episode, this is basically our go-home show to the finale, the episode where we set up the final battle and where Sam finally, I, I would say, makes up his mind to take the mantle of Captain America. And uh, the series of events in this episode, it is quite amazing how much they get done. It is the longest episode thus far. It is one hour long. But in it, it is pretty packed with, I would say, not just not so much action, but of character development and growth. Um, And I think, you know, again, we we're assuming you guys have seen the episode. If not, turn this off and go watch it right now. So let's just dive right into the material. The heart of this episode, as WH talks about, is Sam Wilson's conversation with Isaiah Bradley, who we admit earlier in the series, uh, knowing only that he was a former super soldier that was tested on by the government and jailed for 30 years. This is where Isaiah Bradley tells Sam Wilson the truth about what had happened. He was not only, um, he was basically somebody who received the serum, ended up you know, rescuing uh, several POWs who are also tested on using the serum and then was punished for 30 years and experimented on for 30 years by the government. Um, and of course, the, the obvious um, there are this was a jam packed scene because of um, so many um, real life um, uh, comparisons as, as well as, you know, storyline comparisons, of course. Uh, w, Nate Milton, let's we have to start with you, of course, you know, uh, of the three of us. Um, I, I I was definitely most curious about, you know, how how a scene like this might have affected somebody like yourself. Uh, so please take the floor. Yeah, and this is, you know, when Malcolm Spellman is talking about the emotionality of this episode, I think he was probably thinking about this scene because we got a real honest conversation uh, from 
Isaiah and Sam. And I think like it would be so easy in, in this superhero show, in this Disney show, when you boil it all down for at the end of this conversation, Isaiah Bradley to be like, you know what? Things were bad, but you can do it, Sam. You can be Captain America and give him that pat on the back. But that's not reality. You know, the reality is anybody that went through what Isaiah went through would have that same view of America. You know, a country that used him, a country that tested on him, a country that lied to him and and ultimately was responsible for the deaths of so many of his friends and, and uh, fellow soldiers and brothers. And just the way where I think you got two guys in a scene who both were being honest, even though they had a difference of opinion. Because you can absolutely see where where Isaiah's coming from when he's like, you know, those stars and stripes never meant anything good to me. But then you can also see where Sam's like, you know, don't give me that bitter old man routine. You know, things are changing. And it all boils down to me. You know, Sam said it earlier in the series. It all comes down to that last line. The last line Isaiah speaks to Sam where he's like, America will never accept a Captain America, a black Captain America, and no self-respecting black man would want to hold that shield. And this is a testament to not only the writing, but uh, Carl Lumley as Isaiah and Anthony Mackie as Sam. Like the way Sam just kind of, looks and doesn't say a word but you can tell everything that's going on in his head like it it really it it hits home and I think it's it's honest without being like overly melodramatic like I said like they you just had these two actors speaking truth and I really enjoyed it I thought that you know this is what we needed for Sam to go through to get to where he ends up at the end of the episode and so you know him kind of making some sort of peace with Isaiah, even though they end up leaving on, on different sides of this issue. I, th- I thought that was a very important scene. WH. Yeah. I don't know what else I can add to what, what Nate said. So brilliantly and eloquently there. Um, I, I just, you know, like Carl Lumley, I just, just want to point out, like I was just captivated by his performance. The, 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 like all the emotions, especially like the, the disappointment and the the anger that he rightly feels towards the government to America itself, probably. And to me, like when, when you see Sam's reaction to these things, when he talks about those stars and stripes don't mean anything to me, like they're like maybe a symbol of betrayal to him. I think for Sam, like what I get from, from Anthony Mackie is that for Sam, those stars and stripes represent, don't represent necessarily America. They represent Steve Rogers, Mm. a, a person, a man he admires a lot as a human being, but also as his friend, maybe his best friend. And so like when he sees those stars and stripes, he doesn't see America per se. He sees Captain America. He sees Steve Rogers. And so he's kind of like juggling between the ideals of Steve Rogers, what he represented and like the reality of what Isaiah Bradley went through because of that, those sim- the symbols of the stars and stripes. So I decided was just so well played, particularly by Carl Lumley, but I got to give props to, to Anthony Mackie as well. And to me, it's like one of the best acting performances in any MCU property ever is by Carl Lumley, especially. Yeah, I, I don't know if they had give Emmys way for like guest appearances on TV shows, but I would definitely nominate Carl Lumley. And it, I just love that WH brought up Steve because that clicked to me when during the scene, like when he's talking about the reason why he was jailed, like that's... That scenario sounds really familiar. 
And then like all of a sudden it clicked. It's like Steve did the same damn thing, mm-hmm. but got to come home and be a hero. Whereas Isaiah was locked up and tortured and tested on by every government agency in the world. You know, it brings about a really interesting conversation uh, using like, you know, superhero kind of uh, these characters to uh, for, for somebody to have about what 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 they believe representing America means. And that's something that's always been so in- incredibly interesting about not just uh, the Captain America character, but just being every, anything that is encapsulated in this shield or even, you know, the American flag. And here, this, these conversations between these two of one person being betrayed by this flag and what this government represents and another person who, you know, has very different uh, feelings about what this flag represents, um, I thought was played out really well here. I, I think Sam definitely had the same reservations, or at least maybe not to this extent, mm-hmm. um, heading into the, 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 like, directly coming out of the first couple episodes. Otherwise, why would he give it up? Now, something that I had initially kind of wondered was, like, how much of it was Sam, how much of Sam giving up the shield was him not wanting to represent the country, or how much was it of him feeling like the country wouldn't accept him as the cat, you know, this figurehead? Um, what did you guys think about that? I think there's a little bit of both, you know, and I also think on top of that, there's something that I think WH and I talked about last week where just filling, filling in for the, for the shoes of a legend, like just that human insecurity that Sam would have that Im- bit of imposter syndrome. Plus I'm sure like shady government guy that, that took the shield in the beginning was probably like nudging him this whole time. Like, you know, maybe we should just honor Steve by putting in a museum. I'm sure he was putting those little thoughts in Sam's head the whole time. Sam's kind of going through this WH. So I, I feel like like this whole series, and, and I love that, you know, uh, the first two episodes in this episode, I think were all written by uh, Spellman. And so you see that kind of through line of Sam trying to fit into all these different worlds. You know, he's not just an Avenger. Uh, he's not just a soldier. He's not just the Falcon, but he's also Sarah's brother. And, you know, he's a black man in America. And so this, this whole show has been kind of leading us down this path. And then I think this episode way, they finally were like, you know, we're not going to be nuanced about it anymore. We're going to be truthful, you know, and be honest and just put it out there. This is what Sam's been dealing with. How how did you guys feel about like Sam's? I think um, the the way they framed these maybe his internal struggle after learning about what um, uh, Isaiah Bradley told him, and then having sort of like the 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 maybe the thought process himself before finally deciding and you know wanting to pick up the shield. Do you guys think that that was conveyed well, and did you buy it, WH? I I bought it because I think the process to which both sam and bucky come to like their respective healings are mm-hmm. through e- through each other through the conversation while throwing the, the shield at the trees and it comes back and they take turns catching it because it's like that shield is like every time one of them catches it they're getting part of steve you know on their shoulder kind of talking to them as well I, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the impression sure. i got and yeah. so like the way that sam finally reconciles that i'm going to become Captain America, I'm going to take up the mantle. I got the shield. I'm going to get... I, I'm thinking what's in that briefcase that he, Bucky gives him from the Wakandans is his new Falcon suit that's, you know, 
painted in the colors of Captain America. Like that, uh, you know, we, that I hope it's comic book accurate because the comic book version of it is fucking awesome. Um, and then the way Bucky like realizes, like, I'm not making amends for being the Winter Soldier. I'm avenging myself on the people I helped. And like the, the way he, I, I hope next episode is like, the, we see him and Nori, like he tells him, like, I killed your son as the Winter Soldier. Please, I hope you can forgive me. And if we get that, that'd be, oh my God, that'd be like an emotional scene as well. Um I, I totally believed it because like you had the great sequence where Bucky comes to help with the boat and, you know, to talk to Sam about things. And then they say, when you find Carly, you call me and I'll be there. And so like, that's how we're going to get this team up again in the, in the, in the finale. And, and I can't wait for it. And I just, and Hey, it, like I said, at the beginning, it was an awesome montage sequence where he's doing all the training and we just needed Bill Conti to, to provide the music montages like i don't know how often we see them in the mc well i guess we we do see them often i i there must have been one in iron man like i'm pretty sure there was one in ant-man where like you know like the the superhero gets to learn how to use a suit and everything um this could have been very cheesy but like it wasn't i mean or at least like it wasn't that cheesy and like i thought it came at the perfect time yeah. uh but how, how did how did kind of sam's arc work for you nate I think it, it it was done brilliantly in in a way because you know again had this been up to me and this is you know I'll give uh, Feige and 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 uh, Spellman and and everybody that worked on this show their credit because had it been me Sam would have started the show as Cap mm-hmm. you know there's no like we we know this is the guy uh, but you know I think both in universe like in the world of the show but also you know this is something WH and I talked about last week there's a segment of the fan base that would probably be reluctant if he started the show in the stars and stripes. And so we need, we need a buffer and that buffer is John Walker. And so to see Sam, you know, go from the very first episode where he gives up the shield voluntarily to the point where him and Bucky now have to take back the shield and he goes and and talks with, with uh, Isaiah. I think it's beautiful because we juxtapose Sam and Isaiah sitting with the shield to Sam's nephews playing with the shield. And so like, I think, you know, in a, in a larger context, that's speaking, you know, from, you know, the black experience, there's so many of our elders, you know, 65, 75 older that are bitter and they've got a right to be bitter because they went through some terrible stuff, which in the grand scope of history, wasn't that long ago. Right. And so, but, you know, when you look at Sam's nephew, ready they're the future and sam is stuck in this weird place called the present and so he's like i i want to honor isaiah and that's why i love that conversation he has with his sister when they're about to paint over their parents name on the boat and she's like you know i don't want to do this and he's like you know i i want to acknowledge what isaiah went through but if i give up the shield then all of that suffering that he went through was for nothing and so Mm -hmm. i got to do this and i think unspoken I also have to do this for my niece or my, my, my nephews and for Eli and for these kids coming up to show them that, yeah, you can be a black Captain America or, or whatever, you know, you want to be. And so like the, the, the montage, yes, it was, it was kind of cheesy, but just seeing him go through the process. And I think that's something he says with Bucky when Bucky's like, you know what I need to do. And Sam's like, you need to put in the work. And so Sam's putting in the work to become Captain America. And so, yeah, I think that 
you know, it. I think a lot of people feel like, or you know, people that I've talked to have felt like, you know, and Mackie's great, but you know, Sam, Sam really hadn't done a lot this show, and I, I'm like, Sam's done a lot, mm-hmm. but it's been kind of subtle. It's not the first thing you notice when you watch this series. Like, there's always some line that Sam says that shows you he's thinking about something, or some look when somebody like. You know, when uh, Dr. Nagel brings up, we had to take this blood from this U.S. soldier. And you see the gear spinning in Sam's head. So I feel like he's earned it. And, you know, Steve knew he was the guy, but he needed to know he was the guy. And that's what these five episodes and then the episode next week, you know, have kind of been all about way like him living up to what he, he, he really was supposed to be all along. He may not be doing the action, but he has been witnessing everything, and ultimately everything does kind of revolve back around him. And this was, I thought, where the, the episode where everything kind of finally paid off with Sam. Uh, you brought up, you know, uh, um, uh, the scene with with the 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 nephews holding the shield, and to me that was an incredibly meaningful scene. Um, you know, just even for me watching it because, mm-hmm. you know, as people of color, we're so used to putting ourselves into the shoes of characters who don't look like us, and you know we. I would say probably you know not neither no nobody in this in this Zoom chat right now really kind of traditionally saw ourselves as your stereotypical American or Canadian, so for them to like have this scene of like these children holding up the symbol of America to some people the the symbol of the MCU and the, the symbol of leadership in the MCU, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was incredibly powerful, and to have Bucky be the person from the couch watching that. Yeah. And then Wait, smiling. Tim, can we talk about Bucky at this house? Yes, please. That that got me strangely emotional, WH. Because up to this point, you know, Bucky has Bucky has not has not been comfortable. He's been having these nightmares and he's been sleeping on the floor. And the mm. only time this series we've seen Bucky like peaceful and with a smile on his face and not sleep and sleeping on actual furniture has been at Sam's house. And so, yeah, like they're doing the whole macho, like we're we're not partners, you know, we're just co-workers all that type of stuff. But through the actions of Sam and Bucky, you're seeing like, yeah, these two guys actually have each other's back. And, you know, more than that, they're becoming brothers. I think it's really, you know, kind of appropriate because I think for, for Bucky as like, after emerging as his own dominant personality, after being the winter soldier for so long, the only places I'm sure he's found comfort is, is from black people, you know, yep. first in Wakanda, Wakanda and, and, and then and now in New Orleans with, with, with the Wilson family. So yeah. I think, you know, that's, I, I don't know how deliberate that is. I'm sure it's, it might be very deliberate, but I just think it's a great touch that, you know, that Malcolm Spellman and the other writers, Oh, by the way, this episode was written by someone named Dalan Musan. So it wasn't written oh, by okay, Spellman. Okay. I thought Spellman wrote this one. But maybe he's the, the last one. But I just think it's it's so that's a great point. Like he, the only place he finds comfort to mm-hmm. be able to sleep properly without nightmares is in the Wilson household. And I'm sure like he got a lot of good sleep in Wakanda, like, you know, because he felt safe there. He yeah. felt like I'm not gonna be taken over by the Winter Soldier. And like before earlier with the scene with Zemo and Bucky, we see that the, the Winter Soldier programming is gone he's not a killer anymore he could have killed zemo the yeah. the dormilage wouldn't have done wouldn't have stopped him they probably would have thanked him or something but there you go like he just said like he proves to zemo you can't control me anymore i'm not afraid of you and i'm not the winter soldier anymore like my my big qu- question about bucky is like this show is called the falcon and the winter soldier and he's still called the winter soldier in the comic books right 
I want to know, do we, does he come to a recon- reconciliation with that name? And for going forward, does he be, does he keep that name, the Winter Soldier, and like try to maybe redeem himself? I don't know. Like, or is it the next year he's going to be called the Falcon and Bucky? <laughs> Or Captain America and Bucky. I was like, next year I want Captain America and the White Wolf. That's what I want. There you go. Because I, I do think that's a really interesting point you brought up. And I, I thought about it, but I just like, no, this might just be a coincidence that, like you said, he was he felt comfortable with Sam in Louisiana and in Wakanda. And I think there's something deliberate there, WH. I think there's that is speaking to kind of this reservoir. Uh, and I'm speaking generally here. Uh, but there's like this reservoir of good goodwill and good faith in the black community and also, you know, other marginalized communities. And it's like America, and this is like the symbol, sim- symbology, like America has taken so much from a lot of these communities and beaten and oppressed these communities, but they are still welcoming to somebody like Bucky who you would think they'd be like, you know, get, get this white man out of here. This, this white man with that metal arm, get him out of here. But they're like, no, like you're, you're, you're Sam's friend. So you're our friend. And I think that just kind of speaks not only to these kind of communities in real, in the real world, but also I think all of this, again, going back to Sam way is showing that Sam has Steve's heart. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why Sam has Steve's heart is because of where Sam grew up in this community. That, is all about helping each other. You know, in some ways, and especially, I thought it was absolutely brilliant the way, first of all, that they were t- able to tie both of their character arcs together and have them mm-hmm. both emotionally peak at the very same time in that shield-throwing scene. And I thought, in some ways, yes, I think this was a scene where Sam realized he could live up to Steve's legacy, but in other ways, I think Sam might be even better than Cap because throughout the series, especially these later episodes, he is shown to be somebody who is... To me, his superpower is not the flying. It is his compassion mm-hmm. and his ability to be able to speak to other people, to not necessarily resort to violence first off, first off and to, you know, to communicate. And him kind of coming to the realization for Bucky, you got to stop, you know, letting other people dictate who you're supposed to be. That, to me, is something that I don't even think Steve would have been able to tell Bucky. So in some ways, not only to me did he prove to the audience, myself, that he is capable of the shield— he might be better than Steve. Yeah, he doesn't have the serum, but as a mind, he might be even better. Uh, I think the moment that that got me a little emotional was when Sam said to Bucky, like this was after Bucky apologized on behalf of uh, himself and Steve for being clueless white dudes that were looking out for their friend, but they didn't understand the ramifications of the decision they were making for their friend. But there's a part where Sam's like, so you still having those nightmares and Bucky's just like, yeah, every night. And, and Bucky is open to Sam in a way that he wasn't even open to the mean therapist lady. And so it's like, even if they don't want to admit it to each other, like they're friends. And the fact like Steve was what brought them together, but this moment here where they're playing catch with the shield, I think that's what keeps them together going forward. They've successfully chopped friends. Uh, let's talk about Zemo. You know, we saw what may be his temporary temporary kind of end uh, in the series where he finally gets captured by the Dora Milaje using Bucky's help, of course. Bucky, I mean, geez, like, 
I would say maybe going a little bit overly dramatic here, okay? <laughs> Pointing a gun at the man's head, threatening to shoot yeah. him point blank in the face, and then, you know, telling him that, or uh, showing that, that they, they're, it's empty. Um, when he could have easily just brought the door melage to the scene. But <laughs> anyway, so the end result is that Zemo is to be captured by the Wakandans and sent to the raft. Of course, the uh, island super prison of um, Marvel Comics. And... Uh, therefore, do you guys think this is the last we've seen of Zemo in this series, uh, WH? Uh, I can see him making some kind of appearance next week in, in the, the final episode, but I can't believe this is the end of Daniel Brühl in the MCU. Like, what a waste that would be. Like, here is probably the most, one of the most charismatic people we've seen this side of Tom, you know, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. And, and I, I mean, like, he's going to the raft, like, he's going to be incarcerated with other supervillains to me. And who runs the raft? Oh, general, you know, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. And so like, you know, Thunderbolts have a different kind of point of origin in the, the comic books, but maybe a lot of people are saying maybe this Thunderbolts, if we get the Thunderbolts in the MCU, it's a brainchild of Ross and it's going to adopt his nickname of Thunderbolt. And that's this team. It's going to be kind of like the, the MCU version of the suicide squad, maybe. And it's going to feature Zemo and whoever else they might have at the raft. Maybe even fashion forward thinking black man, uh, the smiling tiger is going to be in there. Who knows? And, and Zemo has, is tied to the Thunderbolts in the comics, right? He's the leader of the Thunderbolts. He's the creator and the leader of the Thunderbolts in the comic books. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I, I think in this series, they've done such a tremendous job of elevating Zemo. I think he was already pretty well-liked coming out of Civil War, but this was the series where they definitely made him the baby face, a very likable tweener, I would say. You know, the the, the type of heel that you absolutely want to, want to make a complete baby face turn. Uh, so I definitely think uh, he's become a brand new fan favorite just in really two, three episodes, which really is quite amazing. He's like Let's the Kevin Nash of MCU, you know? <laughs> what? No. He's way more likable than Kevin Nash. Can, can we can we talk about Bucky the Bucky the Drama King real quick though, Way? Yes, please. Yeah. Because now that now that you said that, to get this whole scenario with Zemo set up, not only did Bucky have to hide the Dora, like guys, wait till I wait till I pull the trigger and hide your giant out. ass ship. Yes, Ew. hide cloak the ship, uh, and then Bucky had the audacity to have his hand shaking. Like, like he was struggling with this decision. Should I pull the trigger or not? Like, mm. but I, I did love that. I did love that uh, you had uh, Ao mm-hmm. say, you know, steer clear of Wakanda for a while because I do think maybe the next time we see Bucky, once this series is over, maybe he does go back to Wakanda because that's where he did find peace. Like maybe he waits a little bit, but the next time we pick up his story, maybe he's you know, got a nice little place on the outskirts of Wakanda. Or is it going to be so nice when he, you know, like public perception in Wakanda must be that this is the guy that we've saved, yet he turned on us by breaking free the guy who killed our king. So there's some great story potential there. And we know that there's supposed to be a Wakanda Disney Plus series in the works. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wonder if Zemo will turn up in that. That would make a lot of sense. I would love now, to now, see Rule or Stan show up on, on that. Now, you know, like in thinking about the, the yeah, we're, we're kind of mocking how like overly dramatic pointing the gun at Zemo was. But what, was, what do you think was going through Bucky's mind? Why did he do that? What sort of test was, that, was he trying to give Zemo? I think he was just like, 
you know, kind of paying him back for all the mindfuckery he did to him in Civil War, to be honest with you. Like, hey, you turned me back into the Winter Soldier. You you made me fight Steve Rogers. You made, you know, you you led the destruction of the Avengers with all your machinations and, and things like that. Like, I just think, and he never got any closure with Zemo himself, right? Because, you know, T'Challa knocked that bitch out and took him back to, you know, the took him to the fucking Germans and stuff, right? So, like, for him, this is his closure with Zemo. Like, mm-hmm. for all the shit Zemo put him through in, in Civil War. So, like, yeah, I you guys can get on his case about the being overly dramatic. I just think it's like, hey, this is fucking karma. Fucking deal with it. <laughs> and I also like that Zemo was like, I, I took the liberty of crossing myself out in your book. You know, everything's cool now, James. And I feel like, you know, to WH's point, yes, there was a bit of a, uh, uh, I'm going to play with this dude a little bit before I let him know the, the real deal. But I also think he wanted to show Zemo that he's the only one in charge of who of his decisions now. You know, it's like I could easily come out here and kill you and nobody would care. In fact, some people would celebrate me for killing you, but I'm not because that's not what I am anymore. And I'm not going to let you or anybody make me that anymore. Mm, very good point. Because Zemo had said, you know, he, obviously Zemo was trying to convince everybody Sam, Bucky, to kill Carly Morgenthau. And he specifically tells uh, uh, Bucky, you know, Sam's not going to do it. But you, you are a trained killer, so you should do this. And Bucky proving that he doesn't have to kill to achieve his point. Uh, that completely makes sense. So thank you thank, thank you to the both of you for solving that for, for me. By the way, Let's... can I just say, make one point to something mm-hmm. to Nate said. It's like when, when Io sells Bucky, you better steer clear of Wakanda for a while. I think, to me, the underlying tone of her voice was saying like let me smooth shit over for you okay first because like <laughs> like because i got some stroke over in wakanda like you know i'll let shuri and them real quick yeah, yeah and, and, and like with uh you know koye I'll, I'll smooth this shit out with them but you just you know wait till i give you the word then you can come for a visit okay for a vacay i did love like she had a look like it was subtle but the look she had when bucky was like uh yeah i need one more favor like one more favor <laughs> <laughs> like, sir, you, you you've used up all the favors you have from Wakanda. How sir, much more vibranium is... can we give this guy and his friend? Sir, sir this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, there seems to they're, they're hinting at like maybe a little. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I do feel like there's so much more backstory between Io and and uh, mm-hmm. Sebastian Stan and that relationship that I really do hope gets gets explored later on. Let's move on to our favorite. Mm. Captain America turned uh, uh man, I don't even know what you call this guy at this point. John Walker, um he continues to be I think uh one of the mo- most interesting aspects about this brand new series. And in this episode, he of course after last week, uh the the footage being spread around of him uh just you know brutally killing this flag smasher gets spread and he is stripped of the title of Captain America by the by the United States government. Um, a decision by Del does... Rusk. By Del Rusk. You think that man is Del Rusk? By the way, that man, whoever he is, not only is he a museum curator, but the man also happens to be capable of appointing Captain America, also in charge of the G20 rep- yeah. representing America. So he wears a lot Who of hats if it's Del Rusk. Which is similar to how Del Rusk operates in the, the Marvel comics. You know, that he appears in Del Rusk being an anagram of the Red Skull on your left all day, every day. Okay, well, Del, possibly Del Rusk strips uh, uh, John Walker of his status as Captain America, and he does not take this lightly. 
he uh, leaves. I mean, he. Let's talk about that scene in the courtroom first of all. You know, uh, Nate, you had, you had already quoted many of those lines, but I thought uh, Wyatt Russell was absolutely tremendous. What did you think of that scene in, in a bit more detail? Yeah, I thought this was a great performance. Like Wyatt Russell, like we we don't like the character, but this actor has been doing such a great job since he first walked up at, at the end of episode one with with that smug look on his face. I was actually surprised that they stripped the title of Captain America away from him because this is something, you know, again, WH and I were talking last week, like, like, yeah, that's a bad look to kill this guy in broad daylight in front of all these people, but, like, this is America. We can just say he was a terrorist. I thought they were going to go that route, but they were like, nah, nah, this it's a bad look, John. So, so not only are you not Captain America, but, and I thought this, I thought this was a bit, a bit harsh when they, when they're like, you don't have any rights, any, uh, any, or any benefits uh, going forward. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's how you make a supervillain, man. You, you like, it's one thing to fire him. It's another thing to fire him and take away all the benefits that he earned doing the things that you asked him to do. So like, obviously John Walker was not the person to be Captain America. Obviously he was wrong, but he, again, back to the title of this episode, WH. He said he spoke some truth in that, in that scene. He's like, yeah, like y'all made me like this. Like this is what made me this decorated war hero. And now y'all are just mad. Cause you know, they caught me in 4k, you know, it's not, it's not what I did. It's that I got caught. Uh, and uh, you know, JLD says that later on in the episode. So I, I felt what he was going through. I just think he took it a little, he got a little, went a little too far at the very end where he was like, Senator, I'm still Captain America. I was like, mm, you lost me there. It's always that last line with you, John Walker. I I think White Russell has been brilliant since like episode two. Like when we get introduced to him in his football high school lo- football locker room, and we kind of in that interview he does on television with the reporter that. Uh, okay, this is his motivation. Like he, he comes from a, like his heart is in the right place in a lot of ways, right? And what he says to Del Rusk and the rest of the members of the the GR or like not the GRC, but like you know the the, the Senate committee that that is in charge of appointing Captain America is like I think is echoing a lot of like what a lot of former soldiers, veterans feel when they come home after they've been deployed to whatever war zone that they've been sent by by the American government is like. And then they get out of the service is like, you turned me into a killer. And now you say you have no use for me. Maybe I'm suffering from PTSD or other illnesses, but you won't take care of me. There's no money to take care of me after you're done with my useful, after I'm done, done being useful to you as a soldier or as a killer, yep. you, you discarded me in a lot of ways, but in a completely different way, he, you can see the parallels between how he's being cast aside as Captain America after like, He's only like in, in his way, like he's he went overboard because he took the serum and it amplified like something mental in him, like like the amplified the entitlement privilege he feels, I suppose. And but you can draw some parallels to him and Isaiah. What I, Isaiah says is like how he was treated by the American government. It's like this is this is this is doesn't matter what color you are. The, that, that the, I think the message is that soldiers, when they're done being useful to the government, mm-hmm. are discarded, are like treated badly. And mm-hmm. that's something like, I think you're meant to feel some sympathy with, with, uh, with uh, John Walker being cast aside as Captain America. And that's, I think I feel some, you know, some 
excitement and, and as as he's you know in the mid credit scene there forging his new shield right i'm like all right he's he's gonna he's gonna create his own identity as as a captain america i assume he's gonna adopt the name the u.s agent in the last episode um but yeah i i have nothing but sympathy for the guy and i i feel like you can tell when he goes to visit lamar's parents to tell him like what happened his version of what happened and i think he honestly believes that this is what happened actually but it, it but deep down he knows he's lying to them but he can't face that but like he has to give them some kind of comfort he's doing what he thinks is right to them even though it's not being honest to lamar's parents he is such an interesting and complex character um that i i think it's a great you know I th- I think it's a great sign of achievement that you or any other viewer might actually feel sympathy for this guy because I mean he definitely committed a terrible act in the last episode and um I felt I was too surprised uh Nate that maybe the the punishment here felt like he actually got what he deserved um, and you're, you know, you, both of you are even saying that maybe they've gone a little bit overboard and that the man is used. But in the end, like, to me, he deserves not just this, but possibly more. Mm. Um, if we are to think that, okay, last week, I thought there were, it was a clear allegory of like police brutality taking place, you know, yeah. with, with like, uh, audiences filming this scene, this 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 terrible heinous act of of somebody, and and this is where it gets really kind of like maybe the the comparisons really kind of fall short because like it's not like that flag smasher was totally innocent, you know, like he was like a powered powered up like person uh, actively fighting. I don't even remember was he actively fighting at the time? He he had surrendered at that time. He he'd given himself up before Walker. Okay. Blood on the shield. Well, I mean, yeah. In th- in that case, then you know maybe the punishment like should have been even harsher for mm. for um for uh, John Walker. Um, but to me, like the scene of him telling the parents, "I killed the guy who killed your son," mm-hmm. was him deluding himself into thinking that he is the hero and that he did the right thing, even though he knows he was wrong and. To me, it's almost like it went out when we're trying to fit that allegory into other examples of police brutality that we may have seen in real life of like police officers thinking they've done the right thing when uh, very often we know that 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 it's not the right thing. It it makes me definitely hard to like sympathize with him. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on any of that? Either of you? Yeah, I think the, the tragedy with John Walker is that like he he isn't this mustache twirling villain, right? Like he's not this completely irredeemable evil person he just doesn't know how to take accountability and be honest with himself you know at every turn you know like even in the in the fight that starts the episode you know he's like you know this isn't your fault why are you making me do this we could have been partners it's like even when people are trying to give him an out like sam is like you know we don't have to do this man you know we can go back and yeah they'll take the shield and they'll probably take the uniform but we can we can fix this he doesn't take it because in his mind, he's doing the right thing. And so it's that, that stubbornness. He has all of the stubbornness of Steve. Like I can do this all day, but with none of that self-awareness and, and empathy that Steve Rogers had. And so, yeah, like I think when he's talking to the family, there's a part of him that's saying that he killed the guy that killed Lamar to make them feel better. But it's also like you're saying way, 
this is the story that he keeps telling himself in his mind because that's the only way he can sleep at night. It's like, yeah, I did the right thing because because I'm Captain America, and that's why I said it five times in this episode alone because I have to keep telling myself I'm Captain America because if I don't believe I'm Captain America, then nobody else will. As he is stripped of the title of t- the Captain America, he sits in the courtroom and, or sits outside of the courtroom, and this is where we get our big celebrity cameo for the series, uh, at least that we think is going to be the big celebrity cameo of the series that was teased by uh, some of the show's producers. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Elaine Bennis herself, shows up in the MCU, and the character she plays is Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. WH, please educate us in the audience about who this character is. So so Val, as she's affectionately referred to by her boyfriend, lover, boss, Nick Fury in the Marvel Comics uh, is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's introduced in Strange Tales number 159 in 1967. She's created by comic book creator, legendary comic book creator Jim Steranko to be a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., to be Nick Fury's love interest in uh, in the pages of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and just for pe- so people know, in, in the 1967, you know, Nick Fury's a white man <laughs> chomping on a cigar. So it's not the ultimate version of Nick Fury, which is meant to look like Sam Jackson from the very start of the, the ultimate line version of, of Nick Fury. But in the, in the uh, original version, he, he's played, uh, he's, he's a white man. So she's his girlfriend, but she's not necessarily a, a major character in, in Marvel Universe. She's always kind of like a background character. So to me, when they brought this character into, into, into the series, into the MCU, and it's played by Julie Louis-Dreyfus, I was like, first of all, I was like, holy shit, it's, it's the character, it's Elaine Bennis, and it's also, you know, I forget her name from the HBO show Beep, but it's like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fucking Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Awesome. I was just like, okay, there's some, some Black Ops shenanigans going to go on with Val and with John Walker because she's trying to recruit him for whatever thing she's putting together. And the rumor is that she's going to be appearing as well in the Black Widow and that Black Widow was supposed to come out before this series. That's when she would have made her first appearance. So I don't know like how, like if they're going to retool her, her scenes, if they, if they'll keep them in the Black Widow, but like obviously this is maybe she's going to be kind of like the the new Phil Coulson going forward for the next phase of the MCU. Uh, so I'm very excited about this. Um, I'm excited like what kind of allegiances like Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, the Contessa, will have because at some point like in the in the like last ten years she became a member of of, of Hydra as well, and she's also like uh, impersonated by a Skrull in the lead up to the secret invasion storyline, which is something we're rumored to be getting as, as a crossover event in the MCU, it, it like, you know, is, is secret invasion. So we'll see if these all play out. Um, I'm, I'm just terribly excited. I think she's going to knock out of the park and, uh, you know, the black widow is something that I've already talked about appearing on a review with, with John Pollock, where you just need your approval about, about that. <laughs> of course. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, Nate Milton, thoughts on uh, JLD appearing in the MCU? I mean, obviously, I was excited when she walked on screen. And, it, and you know, kind of learning after the fact about the Black Widow connection, it made sense. Because the way the way she walks up way, it's like, you know who I am. And it's like, I don't know who the hell you are, lady. Like, the way she just, oh, these, these boots weren't made for walking. Pause so that you can soak this in and realize who I am. Because you all watched Black Widow. But, oh, Black Widow hadn't come out yet. 
Uh, this is awkward. So like, I didn't know who the character was. So I had to Google and I'm looking at, the, and you know, the characters, WH knows like a bunch of different aliases and versions of the character and storylines. And I, I get about three or four names down the list. And it's like, Madam Hydra, like, Oh, this, this could be interesting. Like, so I don't know where they're going to go with this character, but I do very much feel like she can be a, a foil like uh like i don't think they're gonna go the the route of her and sam jackson having a, a relationship but i see i could see her being a foil like maybe an old friend now turned old foe of nick fury like may, maybe she was down with uh with robert redford from winter soldier like i don't know how they're gonna incorporate her but just the fact that you know we're getting these big time actors and actresses that want to come into the mcu and play ball like that, that's that's a good thing and i think you know, just her one scene with John. I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued now to see how she ties into this world and what's next for her and John Walker and his firecracker wife, who she just casually mentioned and then ignored for the rest of the scene. It is absolutely like a casting choice I would have never expected at all. Um, and that, I think, is very much in line with much of the MCU's uh, casting and directing choices. I, I would not think, like, who's, can Jason Alexander have a role in the MCU next? Like, <laughs> Jason Alexander is Del Russ confirmed. Wow. Um he give me Modoc. <laughs> oh, he'd be a good great Modoc. Oh my god. Uh so I'm I'm terribly excited, especially at the thought that this person could turn up in several different, you know, stories and not just uh this this particular universe. Wait, uh, what about certainly... Mike, Michael Richards? He can be the hate monger. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it uh, in one. I think he should be a, a black bolt if they ever recast him so he doesn't speak. He at can't all. talk. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just physical acting from Kramer, I think. Uh, so certainly, like, can be a baby face, can be a heel. I, I would say in this episode, definitely seemed heelish. Um, but we shall see. You know, uh, everybody can knows be up to way too much information. Like she knew stuff that the senators didn't know because the senators, when Walker's walking out of the courtroom, they're like, "And and bring back that shield." And she's like, "I know you don't have that shield. It's it's cool. You know, I know you took that serum too." So. She has way more info than, you know, the people who supposedly knew what was going on with Walker. Somebody else who is uh, awfully ambiguous as to her allegiances is Sharon Carter. Mm. She has a very brief scene in this episode, but it is one that I think is quite revealing, or at least makes us think about a lot of questions. Because Sharon, still in Madripoor, has a phone call where she hires a mercenary, basically, to help her achieve a goal. And we learn that this is none other than... Batrock, George St. Pierre, George St. Pierre and Elaine Bennis in the same universe. <laughs> Who would have thought? That's the team up I need. She's on the phone with Batrock and says, if it wasn't for me, you would still be in that jail in Algeria. Confirms that she was the one who hired him for that first job we saw uh, in, in, in episode one. And she is hiring him, him again to do something else, this time for double the price. Uh, and of course, uh, let me just kind of finish some a bit of this recap. We later see Batrock in New York with the Flag Smashers about to help them achieve their goal of stopping this G20 vote uh, for this patch act, you know, that's a, that, that they uh, puts refugees back to their countries or something like that. But to me, the big story here, Sharon Carter, where do you think her allegiance lies, WH? I think they're trying to set up the, the idea that she's going to be revealed to be the power broker. Um, which I don't know how I feel about that is if that's what's, you know, the end game for Sharon, um, as long as they have like 
you know, great explanation. And I have faith that they'll, they'll have a great explanation for her character arc going that way. But you can see where she might have been, you know, bitter, like the whole idea of like bitterness of how she, who she was treated would lead her to this path. I don't know. I just kind of hope like, you know, we, we get like the Sharon Carter I, I love in the comics, which is like a badass shield agent who, who fights for, you know, for the, for the, for the good side, you know? Nate? Yeah, after this episode, I was like, oh, Sharon's the power broker. But then I sat down and thought about it for a few minutes away. And if she is, they've got a lot of explaining to do. Because if she is the power broker, it's it's kind of like when you have that tag team match where somebody turns on the other guy or on the other team. And it's like, but you were just beating that guy up for like five minutes. And now you're joining forces to beat on this other guy. And I feel like, if she is the power broker, then the, her relationship with Carly kind of needs to be explained because she was trying to kill Carly. And now we're going to work together to kill Sam, who supposedly was your friend. Like you've been helping Sam this whole time too. track Walker. So there's, there's what, a lot. What, to let's go back. So what, what, what was her interaction with Carly? Did she actually actively like try to shoot at, at Carly? If she's the power broker, then she's the one sending the messages. Hmm saying like i'm gonna kill you i know you took my stuff and i'm gonna kill you right because carly and the the rest of the flag smashers acknowledge that as the power broker so if sharon's the power broker now she's working with them hiring batrock who she knows wants to kill sam who she was just working with and so you know and we still haven't figured out what that scene meant uh in madripoor where her and her assistant she's like uh things just got a little more complicated so like i think They've got to do a lot of explaining in this last episode about who Sharon's playing for, what side. Maybe she's on her own side, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think they've got to explain that. The other thing that would kind of make no sense if she's the power broker is why did she lead Sam and Bucky and Zemo to Nagel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't find him without her help. Yeah. Like, and then, because then, like, Zemo kills him, kills Nagel, and then well, that fucks up all her plans, right? Like, apparently. Well, maybe that was what why she said to the to the person we had now have two problems, right? Because I don't think Sharon would have expected Baron Zemo to kill Nagel, uh, you know. But at least maybe maybe that would be the explanation. I mean, the other thing could possibly be that Sharon is not the power bro- broker, but is working for the power broker, mm-hmm. um, and could be double crossing the power broker with the flag smashers. In the end, um, so Batrock is is last seen helping the flag smashers, but we don't know that. You know, this is because Sharon is working with the Flag Smashers. It could simply be Sharon sending Batrock to the Flag Smashers for her own gain, or for the, or to infiltrate the Flag Smashers to for the Power Brokers' gain, or it could be Sharon setting everybody else up for her own gain. Maybe she is a babyface at the end of it all, and Batrock goes to jail with the Flag Smashers with all all these other people, and she gets to go go back to the U.S. There are a lot of possibilities uh, yeah. with, with all these pieces in place. So we kind of have our final episode set up here. We are in New York City now, inside of the G20 Summit, and Falcon is going to be there. Um, uh, you know, GSP, uh, Batrock is going to be there. The Flag Smashers are going to be there. Who else do you think shows up in this final episode? Uh, it's Sharon Carter. And, and you know, like when we had the, the Flag Smashers invade the, the conference room and it goes red, very deliberate, and at the center... In the room, the center of the room is Del Rusk, the red it's skull. Red. And the red. light was exactly. shining on his skull. I, exactly. I see. I see. And then he's going to like do the Mission Impossible <laughs> f- 
fucking, you know, face mask gimmick thing. And it's going to be fucking Hugo weaving under there. And it's going to be like, oh, shit. Not, not only do we get GSP and JLD in the MCU, we get fucking Agent Smith back in the MCU as well. Hugo's like, I miss those Marvel checks. I need them back. <laughs> I, I don't know, Way Like, I'm obviously this is all leading to, you know, I think one of the, I don't know when they're going to give it to us, though. Like, I don't know if Sam, is, if we're going to see Sam in the suit first. Because I feel like he's got this brand new, and I'll talk about that suit later. Because that's something that I had I had thoughts about that once I after the episode. But I don't know if we're gonna start with Sam flying in, in the, with, with, with the new suit. I don't know like how because there's a, there's got to be a scene with Bucky, you know, making amends. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we get that before the battle or after the battle. But I think this this episode is gonna be really action heavy. Uh, you know, maybe. 20 minutes worth of fighting, and then they're going to have to tell us the story around that fight. And where does Bucky live? Brooklyn, right? Yep. Brooklyn guy like Steve, so he's already in the city. Uh, of course, we can expect John Walker to show up, so. Yeah. It's a he's, whole party. He's finishing his shield right now. What about Joaquin Torres? Do you think we, he shows up WH? Oh, you know what? When you know when he says, what do you want to do with these, the broken wings? And then Sam says, keep them. Like, cause what jo- Joaquin Torres in the comics becomes the second incarnation of the Falcon, right? But but he's a he's actually a mutant in in the the Marvel comics. He does he has natural wings. Obviously, we don't have mutants just yet in the MCU. But um, I I was reminded of that scene in the first Iron Man where Terrence Howard looks at the silver suit and says, <laughs> "One day." But uh, that so was he will not, be recast. Is he'll be saying. recast <laughs> by 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 different Latino actor and 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 it turned out the actor playing Joaquin in this did not come to terms with Marvel for renegotiating his salary, meager as it probably is right now. But welcome my new Joaquin Torres, Danny Trejo. Like, what? <laughs> what? No, it's it's one of the kids from Spy Kids, maybe. Uh, but that that totally reminded me of Terrence Howard's scene as Rhodey looking at the silver suit in the first Iron Man. Yeah, I, I think we might, like, we'll have a scene with Torres probably, but I don't think he's going to get involved in a fight. Because uh, I do like how, like, when uh, Torres told Sam in this episode, like, what was going on, he's like, thanks, Torres. I got it from here. So I think, like, Sam, Bucky, Sharon, like, Walker, the Flag Smashers, GSP, that's kind of our main event roster for the fight. And we'll get, like, a Sam-Torres scene probably after everything kind of calms down. Mm, yeah, very true. You know, of course, we also had uh, uh, we we have the introduction of Eli Bradley, the uh, grandson, I believe, of Isaiah. Uh, although it does not feel like throughout this series we're going to get his, you know, ascent into becoming a, a full blown Avenger. So we have to expect that he will show up later on somewhere down the line in the MCU. Um, any other pr- predictions? Uh, you you had some thoughts on the suit, Nate? Oh yeah, yeah. So I think there's something. And if you're not thinking about it, you wouldn't think about it. But, you know, I like, obviously we're on this show. So we think about these things uh, in, in a way that, that maybe, <laughs> maybe more than we even should. But the fact that if, if what's in the box, I've heard some people say it's just a new set of wings. And I'm like, okay, it could be. But the, the reaction Sam has, the reaction Anthony Mackie shows when he opens the box and he kind of takes that deep breath, he's not doing that for just some more wings because he had wings. He's doing that because the weight of what's in that box, he feels it already. And I feel like they made him a Wakandan Captain America suit. Like, it might have wings, might not, like like WH was saying from the comics. But I think the fact that 
he's going to go into this battle with America, the shield of America, the symbol of America in front of him, and then his uniform made in Africa. You know, this this African-American hero to the fullest extent. And the fact that he he's found a way to kind of blaze his own path to what Captain America means. You know, we were talking last week, WH, like, should there even be a Captain America? Like, what's the lineage? I think Sam is like, yeah, this is a Captain America that is not just for one place or one group of people. Like, I'm going to try to be a Captain America for everybody. And part of that means my African heritage is on my back, literally and figuratively. And I also like from a comic perspective, I hope his suit has the same kind of tech that T'Challa's suit had. Because uh, I don't want to see Sam take the super soldier Sam at all. But if he has like the vibration, like it can absorb the blows and then redistribute the kinetic energy type of deal. I think that gives him almost an even playing field with actual superpower people. So people should realize like when Sam is introduced as a Falcon in Captain America comics by Jack Kirby, he doesn't have a flight suit. He's just someone who has a connection with Red Wing, a real Falcon, uh, and you know is trained to fight and stuff like that. But he doesn't have any flight powers or a flight suit. It's later on that they give him the flight. Like he's gotten, he's given a flight suit by Wakanda, like the Black Panther. Like T'Challa creates this suit for him. Oh, you're called the Falcon. You should be able to fly. Here, I built this for you. And then you know, as you know, time goes on and and technology develops more. Like you know, at some point, like Sam's given a, a flight suit by the Wakandans that has hard, like hard light wings. So with with CGI, like like this new suit could incorporate like hard light technology. So he's not the cumbersome jetpack anymore. It's yep. built into the arms of it. So it's like he has like it's part of his arms, which would be fucking cool. Yeah. By the way, that'd be awesome. I hope that happens. Like. I love and I love this idea that his suit might have, you know, Black Panther. Like, I don't think they would give him a full Black Panther suit. I don't think they would trust anybody with a full right. Black Panther suit, right? <laughs> Quite the favor for Bucky. You know, yeah. like they 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 learned their lesson about Killmonger, right? So they're like, this is only DNA printed to T'Challa. He only he can use the Black Panther suit or Shuri. That's yeah. it. Only like of the bloodline. We'll we'll like, let him absorb the blows. We won't let him throw the force back. That's right. But you can you can take the blows and form these hard light wings as part of your new flight powers. Cool. <laughs> Plus, the shield is made of pure vibranium. That was that was like somehow to- Howard Stark. He probably stole it. Let's be honest. From Wakanda, right? Yeah. So he probably got it from fucking Claw back in the day like maybe or claw's father or some shit like that anyways so this is his shield wakandan heritage basically his suit made by the wakandans oh yeah it's gonna be like totally embracing like afrofuturism and blackness i love it but that means you know that the wakandans are putting a fail safe in there so they can shut this thing down anytime they want (laughs) Uh, I, I also yeah. like, and it, that was, that's another thing that's been kind of subtle through this uh, series way is it seems like, or at least feels like, if not like constant communication with Wakanda, it feels like Sam's checked in from time to time because of the way mm-hmm. he's like, you know, Bucky, though, the Wakandans haven't forgot about this or, you know, all that sneaking around, you you White Panther or something. It feels like Sam is is the kind of guy who would check in with people much like he tried to check in with Bucky. So I feel like the, like AO probably wouldn't have done this for Bucky 
if Bucky was our Captain America, she'd have been like, nah, you already got the arm. That's enough. But I feel like Bucky was like, you know, Sam's going to, Sam doesn't know it yet, but he's going to take this shield and he's going to need a suit. And she's like, oh, Sam, we, we got you, Sam. That's a very good point. Very interesting. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the rest of this series uh, or the final episode play out. Um, I I think it's kind of pointless to maybe ask for everybody's predictions about how things will turn out because, you know, at this point, who knows? And maybe we're just here to, to go along for the ride. So uh, if you guys don't have any other final thoughts, maybe we move on to some of the feedback. I guess my, my own my last thought would be that first fight we get way like really the only action we got in this episode with uh, Walker fighting Bucky and Sam. And just kind of seeing just the the brutality that Walker was bringing to the table. Like, to the fact, like, if he were a wrestler, he would only have one move. Because he went for that decapitation finisher at mm-hmm. least two or three times in that fight. And you saw, like, he was beating the brakes off of each guy kind of individually. But it wasn't until they started working together. You know, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that they were able to, you know, take him out. So I thought... That was a good bit of action to kind of give the action crowd something because then the rest of the episode was a lot of really deep kind of talky segments. And so I thought that was a good little balance. He made that shield into a killing device, which is something Cap never did uh, and and made me scared of the shield. You know, usually look at that. It's a symbol of defense. You know, it is a nonviolent. I mean, it is violent, but it is also it's not a gun. Cap didn't have a gun. He only had defense. But he, the, the man turned defense into offense, and, and absolutely, they did a great job with that. Here's a question, maybe, uh, in, you know, in lieu of predictions, but who, who do you think dies in the next episode? Does somebody die? WH. Carly Morgenflower, does she survive? If anyone's going to die, it would probably be her. I, I don't see, like, definitely not Bucky. I don't think... No. Sam, definitely not Sam. Um, I would like, be so messed up if they gave him the suit and killed Oh my him. god! And I, and you know, with the introduction of like you know Valentina Allegra de, you know, de Fontaine, like as someone who's trying to recruit Walker, I think we haven't seen the last of Walker. I think you know he's going to continue on as as the U.S. agent. Um, yeah, Carly. I like you know like we don't really see villains appear again or antagonists appear again and again and the mcu so she could be the one who's like okay that actually dies why does someone have to die we, we can just have them be sent back to the raft as well with with zemo and stuff well see i i, I don't want carly to die because i do think like this episode you know was what it was because she didn't have a whole lot to do in this episode but i think i've liked what she's done i wish they would have given her more or maybe you know dug deeper into the trauma that she's going through but I kind of think if anybody's going to die, it kind of has to be Carly. Because uh, I think Sam, again, you said, you know, his superpower is not the wings or the, the fighting skills. Uh, it's that he can connect with people, particularly, you know, soldiers. And right now, Carly's a soldier. I think he's going he's gonna to stop Carly from making the biggest mistake of her life. And then Walker's going to have to, like Walker's mission now is I got to kill Carly because if not, I just lied to Lamar's family right in their faces. I think he's going to talk down Carly and then Walker's going to come in, kill Carly, and then he's going to get carted away to wherever he gets carted away to. Mm, Very interesting. Before we go to feedback, WH, 
you have any comic recommendations this week? I do. I, I have uh, an old school Captain America recommendation. It's the uh, the trade paperback collection, Captain America Epic Collection, The Bloodstone Hunt, featuring uh, Captain America issues 351 to 371 from 19. When was this published again? What was the story published? I'm trying to remember. Uh, this is like the early 90s, actually. So it features not only John Walker as the U.S. agent, it has Bat Rock, Bat Rock's Brigade. It has Baron Zemo in the main storyline. It's got everything that maybe the fans of this show will love. It's, it's, it's got pretty much all the characters, including also, we also have appearances by Crossbones uh, and Del Rusk, a.k.a. the Red Skull. What more can you ask for, Way? If it's got Del Rusk, it's got me. So thank you for that, WH. Uh, let's go to the feedback, forum.postwrestling.com and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier discussion feedback. At this point, let me remind everybody that we will be back next week, the three of us, for a live edition of our finale for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that will be available for all post-wrestling patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com. I believe we agreed on 7 o'clock Eastern. Is, is that good for all you guys? That's fine. Yeah, perfect. Okay. WH might have to get off work a little bit early and rush home, but... Um, that's I mean, the we, sacrifice. We're gonna be on for three hours, so you got time to get home, WH. <laughs> I'll uh, yeah, I'll try to see if I can yeah leave right on time. Tell Mike to give me a call, okay? I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll vouch for you. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, we start off here with Chris Tobias from Texas, who says it was a great episode today, opening with an emotional two-on-one handicap match and features superheroes working on a boat and building character, which is all I really want. Sam must be a Chris- Christian Cage fan because he is trying to outwork everyone for all those who said he was a bystander this episode should put that to rest nonsense pulp fiction have i wanted to know what was in a case so badly shout out to john walker channeling his best dolph ziggler promo when he was being discharged um dolph ziggler vibes from john walker no (laughs) wh shaking his head lastly carly has wishes he could act as well as wyatt russell dolph would be a good john walker i think well maybe not as good as wyatt russell but He'll be he'll be uh, John Walker in the like the next adaptation, like ten years from now when they reboot this story. When when uh, Kevin when Vince McMahon like gets a Disney Plus subscription and he gets influence, he will give uh, Dolph Ziggler a shield. Lastly, Carly has become more and more uninteresting by the episode, and I don't think it's a good idea to pair her with somebody as cool as Vatrock, who is only going to highlight the charismatic vacuum that is her character. Um, do either of you agree? No, not at all. I, I forgot about Bad Truck. Yeah, but they, they're putting a lot on Sam's plate this last fight. Because he's got to mm-hmm. beat Bad Truck. He's got to beat Carly in some way. And he's got to beat John Walker, probably. So, yeah. If, if, you, if you don't think Sam's earned it by this episode, like he will by the end of the next one. PJ says, great episode with the introduction of Julia Louis-Dreyfus into the MCU. I think that character is a great addition. She's a badass in the comics. And I've just realized that Sam's nephews were calling him Uncle Sam, which is very clever given the show's plot. Barack from the UK says, This episode delivered with a capital D. Has Sharon now turned heel? Given those weapons to Batrock, who then delivers them to Carly, I am interested to see how this plays out. Carly Morgenthau continues to be as charismatic as an old dishcloth in the rain. John Walker, please end her. Wow. 
Excited to see what's in the Wakandan case, uh, the scene with Sam and Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley Damson, all the feels and addressing the issue of racism and white supremacy head on with no bullshit. I'm here for it. Great to see the relationship with Sam and his sister develop. And having been to New Orleans twice for WrestleMania, I can confirm the people there are super friendly and great with hospitality. Uh, we then go to Shane McDonough, who says, hey, fam, I really enjoyed this episode. John Walker saying, I killed him because I had to after chasing down and murdering an unarmed man in front of a crowd feels too real. It's a pretty direct allusion to all the police murders of unarmed black men that keep happening. John doubling down and lying that this flag smasher deserved it because he killed Lamar calls to mind all the ways in which police and all lives matter folks try to justify police violence by blaming victims, even if it means lying. Isaiah Bradley was a hero like Steve risking his life to rescue captured comrades. That talk with Sam was really powerful. I'm sure you'll talk about it, but what is Sharon up to? Yep, we kind of discovered it, uh, covered it, I mean. Uh, crossing my fingers that next week we get a Del Rusk reveal for WH's sake. All day, every day. It that, is that was, possible. That was excellent, uh, Shane. Like I, I don't even have to say anything, because Shane said it for me. Yeah, we hope to hear from you next week, Shane. Peter from Latveria says, "What what does Sam Wilson want? Him putting a Wakandan armor and cap shield will be cathartic for many, but the show has done nothing to actually earn that moment. Sam becomes Captain America because the script says so. He still is reactionary bystander in his own show, removed from any hardship others suffer, others suffer around him. His character is the same as it was in episode one. I sense a lot of bitterness that we didn't see any scenes of Latvia in, in this uh, episode from, from Peter here. <laughs> Latveria or Latvia. Yeah, yes. sure. This sounds like something Dr. Doom would say. Um, I I think, hopefully, uh, let us know how you feel uh, next week, Sam, or, or next week, Peter, if, if you happen to heard our, our, our uh, take on, on the events, because I, I definitely think we explained why we feel like this moment is earned for Sam uh, and how he has, to me, greatly grown since episode one, you know? Episode one, he started off like giving up the shield. He didn't want this thing, or he did either he he didn't want it, or he didn't think he would be accepted. And this episode was him saying, "Yes, I might not be accepted, but fuck you! Like I'm gonna make you accept, or I'm going. I accept myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, the rest of you could follow. And and I think it's very important, and it's something that I know like all the viewers might not catch, but I caught it. Like the only person Sam was. Before Sam was able to be honest with Bucky, he had to be honest with Isaiah and with Sharon. And that speaks to me. T- and, and he was honest with Rhodey a little bit in, in the first episode. And I think that speaks to, like, there's a lot of baggage. And Sam was carrying literal baggage walking through the streets of Baltimore with that shield. I think there's a lot of baggage that Black people carry that we don't talk about. Because, A, like, I think we don't want to burden people with our issues but also like to Isaiah's point what good is it going to do you know there's a bit of that bitterness and so yeah like I think maybe on a rewatch you know you can go back and see like oh yeah this was all leading up to what happened in episode five where Sam is like okay it's montage time because now I'm ready you know it's not Steve or Bucky telling me to be cap and it's not the government or Isaiah saying I can't be cap this is me saying I'm going to do this for myself and for the people I care about. So I think Sam has grown, like you said, way. Uh, Peter goes on to say Walker's story is never fleshed out. We're constantly told what kind of person he is about his relationship with Lamar, but nothing of that is really shown to us. He has to be bad because his comic counterpart was who cares how we get there. How are the difficulties of him being Captain America shown? 
One guy spitting in his face doesn't cut it. Remember in game, Endgame how Bruce and Hulk merged into one personality off screen because the writers realized that they didn't know how to show that? Because the show is is that for its character arcs. And tells and rarely shows. I had high hopes for the show. Um, instead, we're getting Sam getting beaten. I had high hopes for a black Captain America who, instead of outsiders, fights the problems in his own country. Instead, we're going to get Sam beating up a bunch of foreigners as his first heroic act, which is such a waste. Mm, so I, I just want to make a couple of points about Walker and about Sam. I, I, I'm not someone who needs you know constant exposition to reveal character motivation or... Um, like what characters are thinking or show their growth. Like I think, especially with 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 Anthony Mackie as, as Sam Wilson, there a lot of his acting is facially, it, it's internal, like that he expresses through his body language and not through dialogue or anything like that. That's that to me is 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 lazy writing and lazy acting. If you say I give me something to say to show my motivation, when you can show it, like he's reacting to like things that Isaiah Bradley's telling him in this episode, right? That's his character development. And I can see it in his face. It's his relationship and his, his, his reactions and, and, you know, dynamic with Bucky in, in the scenes in, at, at his home. That's in like what he says, but also in his facial expressions with Walker, like we, a lot of it is there. If you want to, if you want to, you know, fill in the blanks yourself, and that's what I like about the writing and directing of this of the series is like we're not told like exposition, exposition, exposition. We we need everything explained. It's there. It's explained. Like it's alluded to. Walker was an all American football player hero in his high school. He is that image of the you know like your prototypical you know football hero American patriot. You know, like that's why he's the Captain America that he becomes because it goes wrong. It's and it's a, it's a it's an allegory. It's a metaphor for like what happens to a lot of people. Like you know, their patriotism turns into something dark, which is what happens with them. So I, I'm going to respectfully disagree with Peter. I I think there's a lot of things that uh, development that we don't have to see happen on screen because it's in the writing. So that's just my point about that. I think the difference between Walker as opposed to Steve or even Sam is to Walker, Captain America is something I have to be. But to Steve and Sam, like Captain America is who I am. And I think there's similar sentences, but there's a distinct difference in that Walker's trying to fill these shoes. And I think we see over the episodes, like, yeah, they could have showed a little bit more maybe, but they're showing us that this guy is kind of buckling under the weight that, the world and the country and, and even himself are putting on his shoulders. Nick from Boston says this was Anthony Mackie's best performance in the MCU today. His scenes with Sebastian Stan have come a long way from just being banter. Their conversation about the burdens of holding the shield served as a pivotal, pivotal moment of post blip development while Sam got on a whole hour to digest the erasure uh, inequalities and suffering he will have to overcome to truly become Captain America. Sam's conversation with Isaiah will go down as a defining moment for the superhero genre going forward. And it's incredible that the MCU was bold enough to illustrate that Bradley was oppressed for doing the same exact thing that Steve Rogers was praised for in the first Avenger, disobeying orders to rescue his fellow man. This sort of, uh, absolutely, thank you, Nick. Uh, this sort of um, 
story definitely i i mean i imagine was incredibly bold when it came out in the comics but for them to adopt it on such a wide mass media scale as in the mcu a multi-billion dollar franchise at this point you know to to, to basically plant a history of racism within this fictitious world that is celebrated across the world uh, i definitely think was a daring move but one that also i think serves to i mean tell us so much about our own real life history um and, you know, I was so excited for this series when, you know, in interviews, Malcolm Spellman says, said, like, you know, these topics would be broached and to see it executed the way as direct as, as they have. Um, I was really happy. And I, I think way like something that as a as a, uh, you know, black MCU fan, you know, just kind of talking with other black MCU fans, there was a bit of apprehension when they said, you know, we're going to talk about these issues and even. You know, through the first couple of episodes, it felt like, mm, okay, so the, so you're just going to touch on it, but you're not going to get into it. You know, like the scene at the bank, like where if you know, you know, if if not, they didn't spell it out for you. But then when we got to this episode, it's like, okay, this this is what Spellman was talking about the whole time where like, yeah, like I, I don't think the audience, well, I don't know. I don't know if the audience would have been re- receptive if every episode was as deep and as dense and hard-hitting is this episode but i'm glad that we got to this point where like like uh you know that piece of feedback just said we spent an hour and most of that hour was sam dealing with the weight of this decision in particular how it relates to him being you know a black dude in america so i think yeah like they've they've done a really good job kind of knowing when to just kind of give him the light touch way and then when to bring in that 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 heavier uh the heavier discussion WH, I don't know if you remember, but like when Sam uh, took on the the Captain America mantle in the comics, Truth was a separate storyline. But like for Sam, did they kind of like create this sort of same you know uh, struggle with within himself before like taking the shield? The struggle is more outside; it's external because they the the writers of you know the not the first series of the the Captain America, Sam as Captain America, but the the second series really explored this idea of America not accepting a black man Mm. as Captain America. There's like, there's a whole storyline called, you know, hashtag take back the shield, which means take it away from Sam. And in, in the, the, the second series, like where we really explore like Sam being Captain America, what it, not just having him having superhero adventures, but what it means for a black person to be like, be the symbol of America and how it's rejected by a large portion of the American population is this idea, this idea that Sam, he's not going to, he's not going to hold back his opinions. He's going to talk about like this, there's racism in this country. I'm going to confront it. There's, I'm not going to be quiet if there's, I see instances of police brutality against black people. And like the backlash that is, that, that is, he faces for being Captain America in the comics, which, you know, again, is like, you know, Marvel's like showing like, Hey, yeah, it's reflecting like real life fans who rejected the idea of, of of Sam Sam Wilson becoming the next Captain America because they had no problems with Bucky becoming Captain America when they thought Steve Rogers had died at the end of Civil War, right? In in the comic books. So this when like Steve Rogers loses his powers and you know he ages as Captain America in in the comics because of this you know super soldier serum is taken away from him, blah blah blah. Um, Sam becomes steps up, becomes the next Captain America. There is actual real backlash in comic fandom on social media to this. No, why can't? Why is it 
Cat, why is Steve Rogers not Captain America? I remember, but if there was another white character, I don't think there would have been as much of a problem. I think, you know, maybe because Bucky is so tied to the history, to the original Golden Age Captain America, that that wasn't such a, as big of an issue as when Sam does it. But the writers took that on, but there's not so much a connection. As far as I can remember, it's been a long time since I read it. So I can't remember exactly if there's like any connection he, he has with Isaiah Bradley in in that series. Let's go to a few more pieces of feedback here before we uh, wrap it up. But we go to Bray, who sa- Bray Duck, who says, it's not surprising. Walker is the only character with an arc, even if it's badly fleshed out. On paper, it's all there. The total stud becomes Cap, but the expectations from others are too big. The constant comparisons to Steve get irritating, and he crumbles under pressure when his partner dies. And that leads to him fucking up big time. And it could have been easily parallel. It could have easily paralleled Sam's own anxieties about taking on the mantle. And the climax could be Sam counseling and talking him down instead, not fighting this broken man. What we got instead is Sam besting him in a com in combat two versus one. What a baby face! And getting the shield as a spoil of war. Might makes right, I guess. So another critic critical uh, uh, point of of the John Walker story. I think yeah, the, that, that the, fight is meant to parallel the fight that captain like yeah. Cap- steve and bucky have against iron man right so yep. you know this time it's you know like the person that they're fighting is 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 captain america like as portrayed by john walker so it's 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 meant to draw parallels like i don't think it's meant to portray either of them as heels and he's got the super soldier serum and he's like obviously a bit stronger he's probably got a more stronger version than bucky has so he's stronger than bucky and sam together so and he's trying to kill them Whereas yeah. I don't think Sam and 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 but Sam and Buck, Bucky are just trying to stop him. And to be like the first word Sam says when they walk in is, you know, we don't want anybody to get hurt. You know, he's he's trying to again reach him on that human level. Like, you know, I understand what you're going through, but if we want to fix this, first thing you have to do is give me that weapon. You have to give me that shield that you tarnished. And Walker's like, nope. <laughs> you you had me for a second, Sam, but nope. And so, like, yeah, I, I think that. This show, at least in my opinion, has done a good job of showing, of illustrating why Sam is the guy. And it's not, again, the skills or the flight. It's Sam's, Sam shares the same heart that Steve Rogers had, and John Walker just doesn't. Now, he, he's not a terrible guy, but he doesn't have that empathy that Steve had. And has no lust for power. You know, when Zemo asked him, do you want the serum? He did not hesitate to say no. Yep. Uh, and that, you know, it makes him human. Which is awesome. It's like Tony Stark said to Peter, like, if you're nothing without the suit, or in this case, nothing without the shield, then you shouldn't have it. And mm-hmm. Walker at this point, unfortunately, is like, like that. That's the reason he's in his garage making this Home Depot <laughs> Captain America shield is because he doesn't think that he's enough without the shield. Whereas Sam didn't even want the damn shield. And he was how enough. Does, how does he expect the, that shield to last against the a fight against a man with a vibranium arm? All right. Uh, and a vibranium set of wings, possibly, you know? We shall see. Craig from Scotland says, uh, still torn between feeling sympathy and apathy for Walker, which is something I wouldn't have thought after episode one. I'm glad Zemo has not been killed off. Finally, Muggin says, everything is all lining up for an explosive ending. The three-way brawl between Walker, Sam, and Bucky was excellent. The themes of racial injustice are sharply contrasted between how Walker got a slap on the wrist for killing an innocent man and how Isaiah Bradley was tortured for simply being a black Captain America. Carl Lumley was in ozone as he conveyed all the pain and suffering he went through as a super soldier and Sam internalizing everything makes, tells me he's going to change minds. 
Yeah. Uh, do have we seen the last of Carl Lumley? We know that uh, you know uh, uh, Bucky is set to probably have a confrontation with uh, Yuri Nakajima, I believe is the name. Uh, how, do we see one more scene with Carl Lumley at the end? I, I think between Sam and and Isaiah again, maybe mm-hmm. Sam, Bucky, and Isaiah. Like I, I do think he has to show up in the in the next episode for sure. Yeah, I could see a situation where, and and maybe maybe this is where after the fight, Sam and Bucky have like their last bro moment before they've got to go talk to their respective elders. And, you know, Bucky talks to Mr. Nakajima and Sam goes and talks to Isaiah and Isaiah's. He gives, he gives Sam the, the endorsement, I guess that Mm -hmm. Sam needed this episode. Uh, But because Isaiah couldn't picture it in his head, maybe it's going to take Sam standing in front of him. Like, I guess you really are Captain America. And like, I think that'd be, a, that'd be a really nice way to end things. And we could also get, you know, maybe uh, Eli in the corner just with this peaked interest, which foreshadows what'll happen when young Avengers. So I, I think that'd be a really nice scene to maybe, I don't know if that's the closing scene, but it would be a good scene to include. Uh, I look forward to talking about everything, seeing how much of this pans out. And most importantly, I, I look forward to interacting in live on zoom with all of you guys who might choose to listen to us. Next week, Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, for our season finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier on MCU later. So join us then, everybody. Uh, I know the UFC is also that night, but we should probably be done way before the main card starts. So uh, let us be your your undercard. We're the main you know? card. Fuck the UFC. Yeah, we, we got GSP. They don't. That's we got, correct. We are not a super spreader event, and fuck you, Dana White. <laughs> Damn, WH always coming through. Uh, so thank you, thank you both. I love this podcast, and uh, I'm actually going to uh, for those of you listening on Monday, this will be on the free feed as a preview for everybody for to know what to expect because the chemistry between the three of us is just amazing, and as many people need to hear this as possible. So where can people find you, WH Park? At WH Park Nine, the number nine, as John. Pollock likes to point out. Uh, you can find more of my wonderful audio, my subdued, restrained uh, opinions on Japanese pro wrestling on Post Perez this week with John. Uh, I'll be on a new episode of Post Perez in a couple of weeks as well. And then the long and winding Royal Road is going to have uh, an, a, a new episode with me and Rich Fan from the Pro Wrestling Torch. We're going to talk about Stan Hansen versus Kenta Kobashi. And yeah, a lot of cool shit's coming up, dudes. Can you top that, Nate Milton? I mean, I'm not even going to try to top that, but I can't connect it because, you know, this is the MCU. It's all connected. Rich Fan recently appeared on the Kings of Sport podcast. Myself, Marcus Vandenberg, Rich Fan, and TJ McClune just dropped our uh, WrestleMania 37 uh, recap show. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about uh, the latest NBA news. And we also uh, talked about the legacy of DMX. So that is up on the uh, free feed now. But uh, if you want to get these shows earlier, you can subscribe to the Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Uh, sports, politics, wrestling, pop culture, MCU stuff. Uh, we got a show called uh, TDT Talks, which is just kind of, you know, it's it's an, it's an elongated version of the uh, scene where Sam and Bucky were playing catch. Uh, Wade's been on the show, uh, just kind of friends gathering and talking about how we're handling this continued pandemic. You can find that on the Patreon. Uh, you can also check out the Rocky My Via picture show here on post wrestling. New episodes should be out 
uh, next week uh, by the time you're listening to this. Uh, and then uh, let's see. Oh, if you're obviously if you're listening to this, you're into you know comic stuff. So check out the Black Lightning podcast over on the DC TV podcast network. Uh, I just had an interview with Jordan Calloway, who is on Black Lightning and possibly will be starring in its spinoff, Painkiller. So uh, me and uh, Andy Babak from the DC TV podcast network had an interview with him, and that is up now. So uh, uh, you can check that out. Follow me on Twitter at in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic. And uh, other than that way, I'm, I'm going to be like Joaquin here and, uh, you know, take these broken wings and learn to fly again. I suddenly feel very lazy when it comes to podcasting in comparison to, to the both of you. I think I need to uh, pick step my game up. Uh, I but think after you, last week, like the, the last week you and John had, you can you can take a couple of days off, way. Well, until, uh, of course, uh, next weekend, of course, because we have a main event season finale. Hope you guys all join us. Uh, my name is Way at Way0937. Of course, you most of you, I would hope, would know that. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next week. I'll see you later.